Well, in a minute, we're going to have our reading, and Maggie's going to bring that to us. I wonder if you've ever puzzled over the phrase in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Well, Maggie's going to bring us our reading now about the parable of the unmerciful servant who didn't forgive the debts of others even as his debt had been forgiven. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. And then Aidan will come and speak to us. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive one another from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's mixed emotions being with you uh, to speak this morning. Um, I'm, as Nigel mentioned at the beginning of the service, I know uh, Paul was supposed to be speaking this morning, um, uh, but instead, obviously, he's spending time with his family. Uh, and I'm preaching on this passage that I spoke about a couple of weeks ago on our Thursday morning. Uh, so some of you I know will be familiar with some of the words I'm about to say. Uh, others of you will have been here but have forgotten immediately what I said, so that's fine. And others of you, it will be fresh and for the first time. I just pray that for grace as, uh, as, as, we, as I speak and just that God will bring something new alive to us this morning. Uh, he certainly has done to me this morning as, I've, uh, as I was listening and hearing the reading again over at Quakers Road. Uh, should we start by praying together? Father God, thank you so much that your word comes alive to us every single time we read it. It is a living word to us. Lord, help us to see Jesus this morning, to hear Jesus. And we pray that you be with the Peterson family this morning. 
that the same grace and favour that you show us, you would be so real to them this morning. We ask this all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Do you guys want to go sit down there? Because there's loads of space for once. <laughs> just real, just, uh, I'm, I'm so glad about this Super Serving Sunday initiative, by the way. But uh, I recognise that we're thinner on the ground in church. Uh, anyway, so this will be a familiar passage to many of us. By way of nods, who's heard a sermon on this passage, not just in the last 10 days? Yeah, we've, we're familiar with this parable. This is the end of our parable series where we've had familiar ones and unfamiliar ones. But I know that this is a very familiar passage to many of us. It's something I, I spoke about at our primary schools, I've done assemblies at. Uh, it's a common story we might hear. And, and someone at Quakers Road this morning said, well, it's about forgiveness. And what a better passage, what better pr- preach to give than forgiveness. There's nothing more that we need to say other than it's God's forgiveness. But there's some uh, interesting terms used in the reading that we heard. Uh, we've got this phenomenal story of a, of a servant uh, who is, owes a debt, owes a debt to this master, a debt of 10,000 talents. And he is forgiven. He asks for forgiveness. He is forgiven and released from this debt. And then immediately he goes along, finds a fellow servant, grabs him by the throat because he owes him 100 denarii. And he threatens him and ends up having him thrown in jail. And it's the parable of the unforgiving servant. And the first thing that might be helpful for us to make sense of all this is to, you, what, what do those terms, talents and denarii mean? What's going on here? The servant owed a ma- the master 10,000 tal- talents and the other servant owed him 100 denarii. So starting with the latter, a denarii was the expected wage for a day's labour. So you would get up, go do your 12 hours labour, which would be normal back then, do your 12 hours hard work, and then at the end of the day you'd be given a denarii. Well done, you've earned a denarii. So the the 100 denarii that is owed is a sizable amount. The servant is owed by his fellow servant 100 denarii. That's a lot of money. That's about, a th- you know, three and a half months wages, 100, 100 days of labour. This is a considerable amount of debt. But it's not ridiculous and it's not unfathomable. Obviously, Jesus is, it could, is talking in a parable here and this could be not just money, this debt. This could be some other forgiveness that is needed. But it's not astronomical. It's a big, sizable thing. It needs forgiveness. It needs a huge amount of forgiveness, but it's not ridiculous. And I say not ridiculous because 10,000 talents is ridiculous, <laughs> okay? 10,000 talents. So one talent is equivalent to 6,000 denarii, roughly. So uh, some translations will say huge bags of gold rather than talent because they want to get across. This is a huge sum of money. The, the a servant would get up, do their 12 hours labor, get given their denarii, do that again for 6,000 days, about 16 years, and then the master would say, well done, you have earned one talent. So ten, now you have to owe back the other 9,999. It is a ridiculous sum of money. It's equivalent of, uh, an equivalent of 60 million days of labor, or 165 roughly thousand years of service. 
Now, I don't know about you, but the oldest person I've ever met was 103. And they were lovely, but their working days were quite a long day behind them at this point. Imagine working for 165,000 years. That's the equivalent of the debt that was owed. It's a ridiculous sum of money. It's an unfathomable amount of money. But crucially, and this is the most important thing for us to pay attention to this morning, the forgiveness and grace shown by the Master is huge. It is more than anyone could afford to forgive billions and billions of pounds in today's money. It is more than anyone could afford to forgive. Remember that in order to owe the debt, that servant must have received the gift in the first place, must have received the money in the first place. The master must have lavished this servant with all the wealth they could. Wealth beyond measure. And likewise, that is how God views us, isn't it? That is how God views us. He lavishes us with his love. He lavishes us with his grace. God has forgiven and, and, and lavished us with a grace that no one else could afford to forgive. It cost him everything, but he did it because he loves us so much. We've sung about this already. Saviour, he can move the mountains. He's the author of our salvation. He didn't, in the other song we said, he did not want heaven without us, but he, he brought heaven down to us. He lavishes us with his love and grace. And that's what we can know this morning. It's amazing. Amen? Amen. But the second thing I want to say is this story, I just don't imagine it ever happening. I think it's crazy that this would happen. You know, imagine, imagine a scenario where someone was given, was, was given billions of pounds and then couldn't afford to pay it back, obviously, and so they were forgiven these billions of pounds. And then, and then the next day, once they were, after they've been released from this debt, they're owing, their, their friend who comes to them who owes them a few thousand pounds, and they say, no, 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 I'm going ha- to have you thrown in jail until you pay this back. It's just, I just don't understand it. Why, that wouldn't happen, would it? I'm sure that person would forgive them. But yet, this teaching is some of the most relevant teaching that Jesus ever gave to his church. And yes, this teaching is for the church. The parable of the unforgiving servant is all about forgiveness within the church. Because uh, it starts with a question. Peter, in, in verse 21, he starts by how many times shall I forgive my brother if he sins against me, or brother or sister? Some translations will say, literally put the word church in there, will say, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister in the church when they sin against me? And the reason being is this is specifically about the church, because the passage just before, in verse 17, says that it's one of the only two times when Jesus talks about the church, actually says the word ecclesia, from which we get the church. It's one of the only times, and it's about sin in the church. That is a small passage about what we should do when there's sin in the church. And then Peter asks this question, well, how many times should I forgive my brother if they sin against me? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, I say to you seven times seven, and then reveals, uh, speaks this parable. 
So the question is all about forgiveness. This story is all about forgiveness in the church. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? We shouldn't need to forgive other, like, we shouldn't need to work hard to forgive other Christians. You know, we have received this wonderful, lavishing grace, gift and love of God. We shouldn't need to be told, oh, you need to be forgiving of one another as well. You can live out of that forgiveness that we receive from God. We can love as he first loved us and love one another. And yet, we do need to be told this teaching, don't we? We do need to be reminded this. The church has always needed to be reminded to love one another, to forgive one another. You know, on the micro level, our relationships are just individually, you know, in our community will always be strained and we'll always need to forgive people and we'll always need to seek forgiveness from others. But this goes for the church throughout history on a big scale as well. You know, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, wasn't he? He was writing, saying, you know, talking about the squabbles they were having and the disagreements they were having. And he was trying to tell them to love one another and and do church right as you live out the grace of God. But then after that, the early church, you know, they were having councils and disagreements about what God was like. They were trying to work out what the doctrine of the Trinity and there were, there were different heresies that were going around and people were treating each other wrongly and badly. And then obviously that evolved later into the Reformation and you had people on both sides burning other Christians, burning heretics because they were wrong. And, had, and the church has always been fighting itself. We have different denominations, don't we, that still don't get on, seemingly, all these years. The answer is we need to accept the forgiveness and grace of God, and then out of that forgiveness, have grace and forgiveness for one another. There's always been some hot topic or other that, we, that Christians have disagreed on vehemently, and it's some, and, but it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we need to be reminded of this, but we do. And Jesus knew about this. It, it was something he talked about a lot, how we rea- relate to one another. Because there were hot topics in Jesus' time as well. And the hottest topic of all of them for Jewish people was what do we do about the Romans? What do we do about the Romans? How do we deal with the Romans? And there were different groups of people uh, and how they view things. So you had the people who followed the Pharisee, the kind of Pharisaical way of teaching, that we will follow God's law, God is with us, and eventually, uh, you know, he will make things good, he will restore us, he will bring us a saviour, and we'll follow that teaching. But then you also had more kind of extreme people who were called zealots. The word zealot was used. And they, would, they were people who wanted to fight the Romans, attack them, force them out of Jerusalem, kick them out of the city. And then over here, you had people actually who said, do you know what? We need to get on well with the Romans. We need to go on, do what we, uh, you know, we need to work with them, work with them well. And that, they would be tax collectors, Jewish tax collectors, working with the Roman system. And then kind of separate to all of this, you had a group of people called the Essenes. Uh, the Essenes were people who actually said, Israel has wandered from God. Israel has left them. Oh, I need to go on this. Okay, <laughs> I get it. Um, people on the stream, I apologize. Um, there were the people called the Essenes. And they, had, they, they said, actually, no, Israel's wandered from God. He has left us, and we need to devote ourselves to him. And these people would live in the wilderness fasting, praying, living like hermits. And they all had different views, all these different political groups, different views about what do we do about the Romans. 
Who was in Jesus' followers, his closest followers? We had Simon the Zealot. We had people who followed the Pharisaical teaching. We had uh, tax collectors like Matthew. And his cousin, of course, John the Baptist, lived in the wilderness, calling Israel to repentance. All these political groups were amongst Jesus' followers. Did he tell them what to do about the Romans? Not really. What he actually said was, love one another as I have loved you. By this you will know that the world will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And he gave them parables like this parable. He, he showed us that God's love and forgiveness for us is so much more than we could ever need to forgive one another. He taught people to, his disciples to wash each other's feet, to serve one another. And this teaching is so relevant for us as a church right now. It's, so, it's, it's always been relevant throughout history, but it is so poignant for us here at Christ Church right now. See, we're in a, a period of interregnum. Interregnum is a posh word or Anglican word for your vicar's left. <laughs> We've got this time where we haven't got a vicar, haven't we? And during interregnums, it's quite common for churches to have disagreements at times. You know, just take the example of we're working on the parish profile at the moment. And I know many people have feeded into the parish profile, kind of what, what Christchurch is like and what our priorities are and what kind of vicar we want. Uh, and people will, when that parish profile comes out, people will be like, oh, I wanted them to include this. Oh, I think we should prioritise this. It's quite normal for us to want our wants in that profile. We want the vicar that we want. Uh, but, you know, we've got a whole community to serve and we've got to kind of get the vast array of opinions and, and produce a parish profile that's kind of as representative as possible. I've known other churches that have gone through interregnums uh, and, they've, and they've waited for their new vicar and they've said, this is what we want from our vicar. We want someone who is a good leader and strong leader but knows how to delegate, who can train people but knows, uh, is always a student, who can, and the list goes on and on and on, all these kind of incredible, incredible things. And you find out that the church actually wants Jesus to be their vicar. <laughs> and when the vicar new, is appointed, well, we might be disappointed. They might not be the perfect Jesus figure that we hoped for. And we're going to have to show grace and forgiveness to one another during this time of interregnum. But we can do that through living out the grace and forgiveness that God has for us. But obviously as a world and as a country and as a whole, yeah, as a whole human race at the moment, we're struggling through COVID, aren't we? And this teaching is so relevant for us because well, I don't know about you, but I don't know anyone who is their best self at the moment. I think we all need to show grace and forgiveness to one another. I think we all need to receive grace and forgiveness ourselves at times. Uh, maybe from ourselves, we need to show ourselves some grace and forgiveness. I was speaking to someone recently who was a marriage counsellor, and I just asked her how her business was. And she said that they've never been as busy as they are right now. They've had peaks and troughs through the lockdowns. You know, when lockdown was first brought up, they had quite a lot of business because uh, people were forced to live more together and that port brought out some cracks and they needed help. But actually now as we're emerging from lockdown and as things are uh, easing a bit, actually they've never known a time so busy because as the crisis time kind of moves on, the cracks are even more relevant and even more persevering. And people are going to have to show forgiveness and grace to one another again and again for fresh 
That goes for marriage relationships, but also friendships. I know our friendship circles will probably have shrunk during this time. And then finally, as a church, I believe this teaching is really relevant for us because the Church of England is going through this thing that they're calling living in love and faith. And it's the Church of England's kind of initiative to to discuss uh, issues around human sexuality. At Christ Church, we're going to be running some living in love and faith courses towards the back end of this term. And the whole idea of it is about how we can listen to one another, hearing different views and learning to love one another. I know there are some people in this church who hold very conservative views. Some people have been very hurt because they've been persecuted for holding those views in the workplace, perhaps. And that's not, you know, that's not what we're about. We don't want to be persecuting people for their views on this. But I also know people who have been persecuted for their sexuality because, or for whatever views they have. And we have a vast array of different opinions in this church when it comes to the theologies around human sexuality. And it's in this moment we are asked to forgive one another, I believe. We are asked to show grace and forgiveness and grace to one another, just as God has forgiven us. Learning to live in love and faith. That's what the challenge of that course presents, and hopefully the encouragement. So I've said a few things through this morning, and I, and I know in a moment Nigel's going to give us a chance just to sit and reflect. But to finish, I just want to read two very short passages again. Peter asked, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister in the church? Seven times? Jesus said, seven times seven. And then a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. By this, that all the world will know you as my disciples. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the love you have shown us. The love you have lavished upon each of us. You give us eternal life. We are adopted as your sons and daughters. Help us to live every moment out of that truth. Help us to live every moment in our lives out of that forgiveness and help us to live as a church out of that forgiveness. Help us to be people of grace. Help us to be a church of grace. That in whatever human differences we have, whatever disagreements we might have, we may somehow know to love like you have loved us. Forgive as you have forgiven us. We ask all of this through the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.